Um, this morning, I've got the opportunity to both open the Word of God with you guys and also to uh, share a bit about what God is doing in Mexico. And this morning, we're talking about evangelism. And as a church, we're looking at what it means to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. What does that look like? And, and Jody was sharing a bit about how that comes from a real anointing of the Holy Spirit and then us going out and being empowered by the Spirit in order to share Jesus. It's not something we do, it comes from who we are. So I'd like to open the Word of God this morning. Uh, I'd like us to read a passage, I'm going to pray, and then we'll kick off uh, in this teaching time. So if you've got your Bible there, please open it in John chapter 4. Ah, perfect. Yeah. That works great. I, I like walking around. Um, I hope that's not uncomfortable for you guys. And, and I'm going to do a bit of interactivity. So I've got a mic up here. And so um, get ready to answer a couple of questions. But first, I'd like to open the Bible in John chapter 4. We're going to read quickly from John chapter 4, from 4 to 26, so that we've got a good base in the Scriptures because we're people of the Word. And then from there, we're going to launch through and see some Bible passages and look at how that looks for us to share the gospel. So let's read together um, John chapter 4 from 4 to 26. It says the following. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Can we pray? Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together as the huddled church. And we gather together in your name, recognizing you as king and savior of all. And Lord, this morning, as we open your word 
and we reflect on what you are saying to us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be here in us and amongst us and that your word would take root in our lives. Lord, I pray as the one who's sharing this morning that your Holy Spirit would be upon me and that you would speak your word through me. And Father, that you would receive all the glory and that you would make me really small and Jesus really big. So please speak to us this morning and that we may see more of your glory and your goodness, your love towards us, expressed so perfectly in Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we start this morning, I want to put something up on the screen. I want to ask you guys if you know what it means. What does this mean? What does this symbol represent for you? Does anyone have an idea? Send. Send. Aha, uh -huh, send. Anyone else? Go. Go. Interesting. If you, we've got some really, you know, cool people that are really kind of separated. That these were, these icons, the three of them, one's from Instagram, one's from Facebook, one's from Apple, they all have to do with share. Because in this day and age, everything's about sharing. We, we say things in our culture like, it's gone viral. But why does it go viral? There's an idea, there's something that's funny. Uh, it's funny, we call them memes in, in Spanish, but um, they're called memes here, I think. So like something funny that someone saw, and then it's like, what do we do? Share. We send it. I, I often have a bunch of messages from my wife of funny videos that she's just shared across to me. So I'm like, oh, okay, I've got some time. And then I'm looking and then there's a hunt, there's like five or six funny videos that my wife shared with me. And so we're in a culture that's currently sharing or constantly sharing information, videos, things that stimulate us, news, all sorts of things. Our culture is a culture that shares. But when you encounter something that's important to you, or that makes you laugh, or that makes you happy, our tendency is to share it. And so my heart this morning is that as we look at the good news of Jesus, that would be something that goes viral this morning, that is spreading out into all the world, and that people would catch on to that and go, wow, this is good news. <clears throat> it might not be funny, but it might be something that changes someone's life. So we're going to walk through the talk this morning in three really easy steps. The map of the talk is, who do you say Jesus is? Then how Jesus shares the gospel, and then finally to the ends of the earth. So we're going to jump in with who do you say Jesus is? I've got two questions for you, and I, I would actually like, I, I think we're live streaming this morning, so I'd like the people online to be able to hear this as well, and there might have been comment, comments and that sort of thing. But who do the people in your world say that Jesus is? So I've got a mic here. Anyone would like to comment the people in your world, in Hobart, in Tasmania, who do they say Jesus is? Does anyone have any ideas? Like, any ideas, you don't have to give like a big talk, but I'm going to make people uncomfortable and all that sort of thing, that, but that's fine. Who do people in your world say that Jesus is? A fictional character. A fictional character. People in the world say that Jesus is a fictional character. It was, it was made up by some people a long time ago. They wrote a book about him and, uh, and he's a fictional character. Wow. In Mexico, it's, in Mexico, it's alguien al, al que le haces 
favores para que te dé un milagro. Okay, in Mexico it's someone who you uh, do favors for so that he'll do a miracle for you. Very sadly, um, his wonderful name is used as a swear word. Mm. Um, and then also I have a friend who's an atheist. She just doesn't believe there's a God at all. Wow. So um, people use the name of Jesus as a swear word and other people who just say he doesn't even exist. Like that's just another word. It's, it's, a, it's a name that, that you, that's used a lot in Latin America. A whole bunch of people are called Jesus in Latin America. Lots of people. Um, but a lot of people in our world don't have an idea about who Jesus is or who the Jesus of the Bible is. They think he might be a fictional character. He didn't exist. He doesn't exist. Uh, not relevant. Uh, it's a swear word. Someone that, that's transactional. So maybe he does exist, but you've got to do things for him so that he would do things for you. Okay, second question. This is a bit closer to home. Who do you say that Jesus is? Oh, interesting. We're in a church. We should have some sort of answer for this, I think. Sorry? My friend. My friend. Wow, Jesus is our friend. Lovely, great answer. Anyone else? Lord. Sorry? Lord. Jesus is Lord. Wow. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean for you? Wow. Yeah. So he's the prophesied one. He's the, the Lord, the King of Kings, the Messiah. Wow. What else? Who do you say that Jesus is? The Son of God. Fantastic. I'm just, just scratching the head. <laughs> Got you there. <laughs> you down the back. He's my Savior. Amen. So Jesus is saviour. Who do you say that Jesus is? And that's a question that we've got to work out this morning. Because if we're going to share the gospel, we've, we've kind of got to know who Jesus is, right? And so this morning we're going to look into that in the Bible uh, really quickly. And I would want you to walk out of here this morning going, wow, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my all. And who Jesus is for us will determine and will define how we share the gospel. So in Matthew 16, 13 to 17, Jesus asked that question to his disciples. So that's not just a question I invented this morning, but Jesus himself shared this question. It said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. So here are his followers, his best friends. He says, who do you say that I am? It's a question for all of them. But Simon Peter answers and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my, by my father in heaven. One of the things that we're going to discover this morning is that God reveals himself to us in the word. God is a God who's actively revealing himself to us. And so it's not about all that we can do. It's about God revealing himself in Jesus. And Simon Peter found this out, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. 
and that God is alive. What an amazing answer revealed by God to Simon Peter as he walked with Jesus. And we see that they'd seen his miracles and hung out with Jesus and they went, wow. Simon Peter put it into words. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. So the people in your world, we're going to kind of connect these two ideas. The people in your world, who do they see Jesus is? We had some ideas before. Someone once said that a preacher should have the Bible in one hand, right? And the newspaper in another. I've heard that said. But now I believe it might be more relevant to say we need to have the Bible in front of us as our front and center. But we also must be connected and understand what the world is saying. Where the world is at. We need to be connected maybe to social networks, to key conversations of our time, to what's trending on TikTok and Twitter, YouTube. Because the world is in constant change and movement. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is alive today. Jesus Christ is relevant today in 2023 all around the world. He is the creator God that sustains everything. And he has something to say about every single issue that the world is walking through today. But we must understand the world around us. But not only the conversation of the culture in general, but the people, individuals around us. What's making your friends at school or uni anxious? Anxiety has become a massive problem in the 21st century. With the pandemic, people have been anxious, depressed, isolated. What's making them isolated? What's making them stressed? What makes mums cry with desperation in the mornings? There are a lot of mums who are going through different difficult times. What's making blokes get frustrated? What are older people struggling with? What are the people around us saying about Jesus? Or are they saying anything about Jesus? It's been really interesting for us. This morning I was in my quiet time in Psalm 12 and it said there, there's no more righteous people around and then it, it said basically that the people are abandoning God's glory and I was like yes I, as I kind of read through it and went oh, okay that kind of they went yes that's what's happening we've we've come into a culture for us it's coming back into a culture even though I'm an Aussie I grew up my my whole uh, young life here but just seeing taking the pulse of the culture around and saying, people aren't interested in Jesus. What's going on with that? How do we share the good news of Jesus, the creator God, amongst a society that's completely uninterested? But that leads us to that critical question. Who do you say Jesus is? We must be able to answer this question both authentically and biblically. Because it's not enough just to know stuff about Jesus. We've got to know Jesus himself. So this has got to be authentic. It's not just about having the right answer, but it's an answer that you've got to experience. But we've got to be biblical. It's not what you invent about Jesus. It's what the Bible says about Jesus. God reveals himself in the living word, Jesus Christ, and through his written word as we know him. So part of this answer is testimony, but it must be biblically grounded. So this morning, I'd like you to ask yourself, who do you say that Jesus says is? There's a girl in our coffee shop team who she would say, Jesus is my father. She's had never, never had strong male figures in her life. She didn't know her dad. 
she's had another stepdad who she's had a really fractured relationship with him. But she said to me a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, she said, Jesus is my father. She connects with him as a father, a real father, a father that is by God's design, that loves, cares, protects, provides. So Jesus is my father. But how you understand and know Jesus is going to give a tone to how you share about Jesus. So how would you, would, how would you respond if someone asks you, what is the message that Christians preach over and over again? Because sharing the gospel isn't about being a salesperson. We can't give what we haven't got. You can't share what you haven't experienced. Jesus said that in John, in, in John 15 that we can't do anything separated from him. So if we're going to share Jesus with others and share the gospel, we must have a relationship with Jesus. So maybe you're here this morning and you know a lot of Christian things. You know a lot of Bible things. You've been to a lot of Christian events. But maybe you're going, I just don't know Jesus. And the invitation is for you this morning. Jesus is saying, come and see. Follow me. Jesus is inviting you to a relationship with him. A relationship where we have closeness, where we have trust, where we're able to be ourselves but come into a relationship with him. We can place our faith in Jesus as a response to his grace. God has revealed himself in Jesus and he invites you into a relationship with him this morning. So how would you respond if someone asked you, what is the message that you Christians preach over and over again? Why is it important? Have you got an answer to that question? I'm not going to put you on the spot right now, but would you be able to explain the gospel to someone? Do you know how we share the gospel? Do you know what God's story is? Because from cover to cover of this book, God's holy word, we see God saying, I love you. I'm doing everything to save you. And I want to be in a relationship with you. This book is about God's glory. And this book is centered on Jesus Christ. From Genesis, we see Jesus pointed to. Did you know that? That the gospel is preached in Genesis? Chapter 3, that we see that God's pointing forward to a saviour who will come and overcome sin and death. We see God's story unfold of redemption. And we see how everything ends in the end. So I want to just remind you of some key elements of the gospel. I haven't got all the scripture references there because there's a lot. But the Bible is focused on Jesus. But we've got to know that God is the perfect creator. God created everything and created humans to be in relationship with him. He set us apart from all the animals. We are not just animals. God has given us a spirit, a soul, a specific way that we can relate to him. We are created in his image. But that image was broken as we rebelled against him, as we declined to be under his authority. And we sinned against the perfect God. So humanity, we see that we rejected God's rule. And that wasn't just Adam and Eve. They didn't just do a really bad job. We would have done a much, much better job. Our heart is inclined to reject God. And the Bible in Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone, you, me, the guys outside, the people in Mexico, all people have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. We have rejected God's rule and God's design. And we see the symptoms of that around us every day. But God didn't just destroy us or leave us there. He sent his one and only son. We saw that with the kids in John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that all who believe in him would not perish, would not die forever, but have eternal life. So Jesus Christ is the perfect saviour. You can read a bunch of these verses that remind us that Jesus Christ is a perfect saviour. He came, the innocent, to save the guilty ones, to reconcile us with God. But there's a necessary response to God's abundant grace. God extends that invitation to you and to me to be in a restored relationship with him, to be reconciled with creator God. And we need to respond in faith and repentance, doing a U-turn, but also giving ourselves completely to him. And now we have the opportunity of life now and forevermore in God and his kingdom. So our eternal life starts now with a relationship with Jesus. We have real life as we step into a relationship with the creator God, as we start to live in his kingdom under a new rule, not the world's rule, not our own rule, but Jesus's rule. And this is an upside down kingdom that is radically different to all that we have seen before. So I want to just give you some pointers. We, we went through John chapter 4. And Jesus is not only our beautiful, amazing, perfect saviour, but he is also the one who has given us an example to follow. So how does Jesus share the gospel? Jesus revealed God to us. We see that in John 1.14. Jesus the way to a restored relationship with God. Jesus shows us how to live and how to glorify God. And Jesus calls us to be his disciples and to follow him, but also to make disciples of all nations. And Jesus shows us how to share the gospel. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't command us to do something that he hasn't modeled to us first. So as we approach this passage in John chapter 4, we see a contrast. In John 3, we saw a conversation between Jesus and a religious guy, Nicodemus. And this guy kind of had it all in the religious side of things and Jesus went to the grain and we saw Nicodemus walk out of that with amazing truth from Jesus. And now we see Jesus in John chapter 4 encounter with a Samaritan woman. Now, Samaritans and Jews, we see that in the passage that they didn't mix. From ancient history, we see that there was a division. That in the northern kingdom... They'd intermixed with the Assyrians and the Jews went, these guys have lost the plot. These guys are not, they've abandoned and betrayed the faith in God, the religion, the relationship with Yahweh, the only true God. And so they would not even drink from a vessel that a Samaritan had used. And we're going to see some striking differences between these two situations, Nicodemus and the woman at the well. But we're going to see how Jesus shares the gospel. And uh, this morning, we're going to rush through this a little bit because in Mexico, we, we preach for like 45, 50 minutes. And I know that you guys are not used to that, so I'm not going to put you through that. But um, 
I want to just run through this passage and just, I want to make this kind of caveat at the start. We're not going to do a full exegesis um, of this passage. There's a lot of amazing truth in this passage, but we're going to look through a lens of what does this look like in terms of sharing our faith, evangelism, and I want to share some stories with you. So Jesus taught us, verse 4, we see, now he had to go through Samaria. And if you know a bit about Jewish culture, Jesus didn't need to go through Samaria. Most Jews would cross the Jordan, go on the eastern side of the Jordan, up, it was an easier walk, not as direct, but they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. They would get up to the north of, of, uh, I was going to say Mexico, uh, Israel, and then they'd go back to Galilee. They would avoid Samaria. But it said Jesus had to go through Samaria. And, And Jordy was talking about this as well. Evangelism is led by the Holy Spirit. And guided by prayer. We see so many times that Jesus just gets out. Jesus, before this, has spent time in the desert with his father. We see in Mark 1.35 when he gets up very early in the morning and spends time praying. Jesus has a rhythm of looking to his father in prayer and being guided by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was guided to go through Samaria. Then in verse 7 to 9, we see how Jesus crossed barriers. So if you look at these verses, Jesus asks the Samaritan woman, woman, sorry, for a drink. But then she goes, what? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? This is one of the keys to understanding this passage, that there were so many barriers between them. There's a barrier of gender. There's a barrier of race. There's a barrier of just social norms. And there's a barrier, religious barrier, because... Jewish people wouldn't even touch the vessels that Samaritans had used because they would become unclean, ceremonially unclean. So there were so many barriers, but Jesus crossed all of them. As we share the faith in Jesus, we will need to cross barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers, social barriers, geographical barriers. There are barriers that we need to cross to share the gospel of Jesus. For some people, it will be cross-cultural to go to another place. But even here in Hobart, there are so many different ethnic groups, social groups, uh, lifestyle groups, and so many different ways that people are living their lives that we are going to have to cross barriers. We're going to have to cross cultures. We're going to have to cross languages. We're going to have to cross lines of our comfort. And then we see proximity. Verse 6, Jesus arrives and he goes to the well and he sits down there. I believe this is part of God leading him by the Spirit, but he sits down at the well. The only Son of God sits down at the well and he's thirsty. But as he's there, he's close to a Samaritan woman. He's close to a place where people need to know good news. And then there's more cultural stuff and historical stuff that She was there at the middle of the day and it was normal that women would go and draw water early in the morning. But there was a reason for that. Because she was hurting, right? Jesus in verses 7 to 14 starts to build a connection and a relationship with her. He actually in humility asks her for something. The Son of God expresses need. And He is God. He doesn't need anything. But in His humanity He expresses need and says, can you give me a drink of water? 
And then she goes, whoa, like, how are you, a male who's Jewish, even a religious guy, asking me for water? A woman, like, what is going on here? So there's a conversation that starts and a relationship that starts to develop some common ground, the water, the well, a need, that takes them into a really very interesting and deep conversation. Which leads me to the next point, point five. Jesus finds the need. And you and I also need to find that need in people. Because Jesus connected with a Samaritan woman who was there drawing water. And he talked about living water. He kind of caught her her attention with that. She would come back every day and get water. But she had a deeper need. A need for refreshment. She was tired. She had tried every single thing in relationships and failed. And Jesus puts his finger on that as he finds her need. And all the messy stuff comes out. And so Jesus says, hey, go and call your husband. And she goes, I don't have a husband. Jesus goes, yeah, that's true. You've had five, and the guy you're with right now is in your husband. And she's going, ooh, yeah, that's my wife. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've failed, and now I can't even come and get water because everyone looks down on me. I'm carrying shame, guilt, frustration, hurt. I don't know how I'm going to sustain. I don't know if she had kids. And Jesus finds that need and talks to her about living water. Says, hey, I can give you real life. I can give you real water. I can give you living water. Just come to me. And Jesus sticks around even when all that messy stuff comes out. How many times do we start a conversation with someone and then you go, oof, God bless, see you later. It's a little bit too difficult. One time I was counselling a couple and we went out to lunch with them and uh, what was going to be this guy's future parents-in-law. As we were sitting there, the father-in-law said, hey, you probably need to, if you guys are going to go any further, you need to share about this. And the young girl didn't know. They'd been going out for a while. We'd walked through some difficult stuff. And it turns out that this guy had a, an intimate relationship with the mother-in-law. The messy stuff came out. It was difficult. But that guy continues in our church today because we've gone through a counselling process both with them, with him. He's found the grace of Jesus Christ and been restored because God is a God who restores, who transforms, who gives living water and gives people new life. The thing that stuck in the mind and the heart of this Samaritan woman was that Jesus knew everything about her and he was still there. And we see a fruit of multiplication. If you look at the, the verses, verse 28, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, verse 29, 
Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So it wasn't just the fact that Jesus knew stuff about her that for her was like impacting and maybe mystical. But it was the fact that he was still there. He built a relationship and said, come and see. And Jesus revealed himself specifically to a Samaritan woman. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. We need to point to who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. And he is the King forever. And as we give our lives to him, we are changed ever more into his image. He lives in us. Galatians 2.20 says that it's not us that live anymore, but he who lives in us. And the life we live now is lived by faith in the one who died and gave his life for us. <laughs> I'm looking at my timer and going, yeah, I'm used to speaking for 45 minutes. <laughs> so I just want to share a few stories about this with you guys. Because we see, finally, a fruit of multiplication. She leaves her cares behind because Jesus is better than anything in this world. She shares Jesus with others and says, come and see, verse 29. She calls others into a relationship with him and others believe and connect with Jesus. You can check out verses 39 to 42 that we didn't read this morning and see how a community was transformed by the gospel of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, through an interaction with a Samaritan woman at a well. But what I've seen in Mexico is that as lives are changed, other people are impacted. That idea that she shares Jesus with others was seen in Jimena's life. Jimena came to our church because some of her family members invited her. She went through a really difficult situation. She, was, she worked in a department store. She was in the lift and someone was fixing the lift. She didn't know. I don't know all the story, but basically um, the guy died above her, um, the lift fixing guy, maintenance guy. And then they were accusing her of like manslaughter or something like that. She's going through a really difficult time and her family members said, hey, you need to know Jesus. She came along and accepted Christ. I had the, the privilege in my role in the local church to give her the welcome, to share the gospel with her, to pray with her. And she started coming along to a space that we've got called Conociendonos, getting to know God and got, getting to know each other. And it was great. We shared the gospel there. We, we had this time of just learning to hear from God in his word, to pray, just these basic rudiments of a relationship with Jesus. And she was like, wow, I need to be here. But the coolest thing was the second week, she didn't even wait to su till Sunday. She brought her cousin along and said, hey, you've got to know about Jesus. And so she brought her along to Tuesday nights, conociéndonos, and just started to get to know Jesus. And so she started to walk with Jesus because she had a need and we were able to connect her with the gospel. And we see disciples making disciples. There's so many stories I would love to share with you guys. And if we've got chance over morning tea, lunch, whatever, um, we would love to connect and share some more stories. But I'd like to just finish with this, from here to the ends of the earth. I'm going to just like run through some photos of disciples making disciples because God has called us to share this good news from here in Hobart, Tassie, Australia, and to the ends of the earth. So we're all about disciples making disciples. We're working in three key areas in Mexico. Renovarte Cafe, where we do evangelism and discipleship through the cafe ministry. We're leading and investing in the next generation 
and a local team so that they can multiply and make disciples. This is part of our heart. And you guys have been praying for that. You guys have been supporting. And we're just so thankful for your partnership in the gospel as we continue to be and make disciples. You guys have even enjoyed some a coffee night here uh, in the church as you're just remembering that God uses things like coffee to connect us with the gospel. And as we saw this proximity with the woman at the well, it might be over a coffee or a tea or KFC that we can connect with people. Where are those places where we can connect with people? Secondly, we're doing pastoring and church planning. Over the last period, God has called us into a deeper relationship with the local church. We've been really well connected over many years with the local church, but God has called us into this um, more intensive relationship with the local church to be able to use that as a way to make disciples. And our real calling is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to see them formed. So I've had the, the opportunity over, over 2022 to really invest in that disciple-making process in evangelism and then growth of new believers and, and seeing them connected to the Word of God and to Jesus as we walk together. And that's been really, really exciting. And not only that in the local church, but to look out and as the pastoral team, we've, we're praying constantly to say, how can we reach other communities, make disciples that multiply and reach out into other areas? So we're, as a family and as a, as a local team, and, and you'll see some photos of this, um, just a base team that we've invested in from 2018, here's the team, um, to the present, they became our base team as we plant into a new part of Querétaro. And so this was the, sorry, the right-hand side is the first uh, Wednesday night that we met together. So we just meet on Wednesday nights at the moment. And we met together. We had to stop registry at 80 people. We were like, wow, what are you doing, God? This is amazing. I, I'd said to my wife, let's start in, the ho in our home because we want to be disciples and make disciples. And we want to have that real kind of homeliness. But God just blew that out of the water. And we had 80 people the first night. And then God's moved us to a different place, which is the photo on this side, that is a function center that we rent just on Wednesday nights. And we've got between 40 and 60 people regularly coming on a Wednesday night to hear the gospel, to pray together, and to start being church over this side of the city. This side of the city where we live, we live now a bit over 25 kilometers from the center of town. And it's a real growth area. It didn't exist eight years ago let alone the 15 years ago when I arrived in Mexico. It just didn't exist. So all of this is new, and there's probably 20,000, 30,000 people up in this new area of town. So we're starting to do ministry in this side of town. It's also geographically a bit removed from the center of town, and as traffic gets worse and the city has grown out of control and there's roadworks on the main uh, road and all that sort of thing, uh, it's a real opportunity for us to connect with people on this side of the city and be a local church where... We're actually doing community and sharing life together because it's not just about preaching the word and going, hey, yeah, we did it. But this is about sharing life because as we make disciples, it's life with life. And finally, we're investing in leaders. A lot of what we do in Mexico, and why Mexico? You go, Mexico's already been evangelized. There are churches there. Why would you send an Aussie bloke to Mexico who got married with a beautiful Mexican woman? And then you go... Why? But God has a, a calling for us, a specific calling to invest in his church and invest in those leaders who can multiply to all generations, to all places. And I firmly believe through Matthew 28 that Jesus is a 
savior who calls people from all nations to go to all nations. And so I would not be surprised if in the next years we would see maybe some Mexican people sent back as missionaries to Australia. <laughs> we would love that. But people fulfilling the Great Commission, walking as disciples of Jesus and sharing Jesus wherever they are. People from all nations going to all nations. So what's God doing? God's building a team in Renovarte. We're really thankful. Thanks for praying for the, the electricity situation in Renovarte. We've got that solved. That was a big grace moment from God in November last year that we were able to solve the electricity situation. We're also returning to pre-pandemic levels of, of people coming in with the university back. And so we're building our team. And part of that is really to invest deeply in young people. We've got some people like Louis Fed who have been there for a long time and they're really committed to the vision. He's been called into serving Christ. But also we've got some people that are just there for a season, that are students that we're, might be there for a year or six months or a bit longer, and our joy is to invest in them on their journey. And some of the fruit of that is that one of the guys that worked with us is now one of the pastors in our local church, and it's really cool to see him continue in ministry. And secondly, one of the other guys who worked with us, he's now the youth leader in the main church. And so it's really exciting to see how God uses all of these seeds sown and brings forth fruit. And there have been some difficult side of things. This is not, not all just color of roses. We have had some real scars. Some of the guys like Oscar that you guys have prayed for, that you've probably seen in some of our news, Oscar had a moral failure and then didn't want to go through a process of connection and, and just said, I don't want to be part of this anymore. And so there's some scars because we're not just sharing the word of God, but we're sharing our own lives with people. So we're really looking at doing a retreat with the team, building up some, uh, renovating the coffee shop. We need to constantly be um, keeping things uh, up to date. And so that's some of the projects we've got. But our real heart is to see these young people invest their lives in what really counts. Secondly, with Horizonte El Marques, the church plan, in 2023, when, when we get back, we're looking at starting up disciple-making groups. So connection groups where people can start to walk with Jesus because we haven't got that in our church plan yet. So we're also praying about when to start Sunday services. We've got about 1,600 people in the main church, which is re really amazing. God is doing some amazing things in Mexico. Um, I don't know if uh, you've got the video there, Dennis, um, just while I'm talking, just, this is just a little bit of what God is doing in Mexico. And, and I'd love just as we think about evangelism and reaching out, I'd love to encourage you with what God is doing in Mexico. Faithfulness, Here's just a little bit about what our local church looks love, like. Love, goodness, as you see, mercy, young people grace, and will throughout 2022. Outreach into communities. We're working with indigenous communities around our state uh, and just seeing people to come to Christ. And what does that look like? There's people like... Um, I wanted to tell many, many stories, but I'm just going to choose one. There's people like Brian and Vanessa. Um, Brian and Vanessa have just arrived because someone invited them to our church plant. Brian's not a believer yet. I'm not sure about Vanessa. They went to a church many years ago, but someone invited them along. And so we're just inviting them into a relationship with Jesus. And a lot of that is just one-to-one, -one, spending some time, 
sharing the gospel, sharing God's word constantly, listening to their questions, and starting to build relationship. There's so many stories. Um, there's Alberto and Ceci. Ceci was in hospital for seven months with COVID. She was in a, an induced coma during much of that time. And during that time of desperation, Alberto met Christ and put his faith in Christ and became a Christian and started praying for his wife. And she was in a coma, right? So she woke up and she's like, wow, I'm alive. And Alberto shared the gospel with her and she became a believer as well. And now we've got the opportunity to walk with them and they were going to be baptized on the 26th of February. We had 40 people baptized on the 26th of February and um, that was a real joy. I we were here during that time and we're like, oh, because I didn't have the opportunity to baptize some of these people because some of these people are people we've walked with over this, this last period. Like Daniela, who one of the guys in the cafe gave her a Bible and said, hey, would you like to read about Jesus? And then one of the girls, Meli, who works in our local coffee shop team in Renovarte, shared the gospel with her and just started accompanying her. And a lot of that just happens over a cup of coffee and intentionality. And so it was really cool to see that she came to a saving faith in Jesus. And then she was baptized on the 26th of February because they invited her along to church and said, hey, come and be part of a community that follows Jesus. And she said, yeah, I want to do that. And she got involved with the youth group and then was baptized on the 26th of February. So from Hobart, you guys are having an impact around the world. So we'd invite you to pray for us. There's a bunch of prayer requests we'd love to, to put up there. Um, for the Renovarte team, for all that God is doing in Mexico. We'd like to genuinely give you the, an invitation to come and visit us. Jesus in John 1 said, hey, come and see. We'd like to invite you. If, you'd like to, if you have the opportunity, we'd love you to come and see what God is doing in Mexico, to learn, to, to grow, to, to bless ourselves, each other. Um, and we're also even sending out missionaries now from Mexico. And also there's some ways you can participate. Thank you so much for the way that you as a church have participated with us. Our cost of living has gone up, so there are some needs around monthly support, but also projects, ways that you can invest in the kingdom. We're praying towards having a space for the new church plant. We're just renting on Wednesday nights at the moment, um, renovating Renovarte, um, and a pro-life centre, which if you're interested in that, I'd, we'd love to share more about that. My wife is involved uh, heavily in that project of seeing God just intersect with people's lives in these crisis times and giving a real gospel-saturated response to that in a way that we can love practically. So all this to say that blessed people are blessed to bless people. God has blessed us and we want to bless you this morning with encouragement about what God is doing. You guys have been blessed and you've blessed us over in Mexico and God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And this morning, as we just land this plane, I want to make it real. What is your Samaria? Talking, we talked about the woman at the well, and Jesus went and he had to go through Samaria because God had made this appointment for him with a woman at a well. So it might be that place or group of people that might be difficult or uncomfortable for you to get close, to love, to share Jesus. What is your Samaria? Once you've got that, start thinking, are there places where you know people who are far from Jesus that they gather? 
For Jesus, it was going to a well. But for you, it might be somewhere in Hobart City. Or it might be somewhere in your community. It might be the local skate group. It might be, I don't know. How might you start a conversation with one of these people? And then think, what would you say about Jesus and why his gospel is good news? We've got to think through that. Because I asked you guys some questions at the start. What, who in, what does your world say that Jesus is? What do you say that Jesus is? Why is the gospel of Jesus good news for you? Once you've got that clear, why is the gospel of Jesus good news for the people around us? And then I'd just like to challenge you with this before I close in prayer. Who is one person in your life circle today that you can start praying for, building relationship with and sharing Jesus with this week? Just a, a quick parenthesis. In the Gospels, in Acts, in the New Testament, we see disciples, people who've been with Jesus sharing the Gospel. But very rarely do we see them run through the whole Romans road or something like that. Often we'll share the Gospel, one, with our lives, secondly, with our words, and thirdly, over various different interactions with people as we build relationships as they see the evidence of Jesus in us. So be encouraged. You don't have to have like a spiel or a sermon or talk for 40 minutes like I did. Um, you can just, as you're guided by the Holy Spirit, captivated by Jesus, start praying that God would work in the lives of people and see him do his work. Because at the end of the day, God is most interested in saving people. God is the most interested one. He will always be more committed than you are, that I am. So let's pray and ask that God would save in this community and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. God, you are worthy of all praise, all worship. You're a God who saves, a God who transforms, a God who crosses barriers. And you've saved us for glory to your name. Thank you for the grace and love we have found in Jesus Christ and you hope, a hope that even this church is called hope because you're a God who gives us hope, new hope, a real hope, an eternal hope that goes beyond bank balances, that goes beyond interest rate rises, that goes beyond abuse, that goes beyond difficulties, that goes beyond everything that we can see because you are better, you are exalted high above that. And Lord, we want to ask as a church this morning that you would use us, that you would use us to be your ambassadors, disciples, that you would use us to give testimony to who Jesus is in our lives, communities, circles, from here to the ends of the earth, and that you, Lord, would move us. Lord, this morning I want to ask by your Spirit that you would place a name on the heart of each person here this morning who needs to know who Jesus is. And Lord, we want to ask that you would start working in their life this week and working in our lives that we might be able to point them to an amazing saviour who transforms our lives forever. Lord, help us to go deep in your word, to walk with you each day and just be captivated by who you are so that out of a, the overflow of hearts full of Jesus that we would go and share who you are. And Lord, I just pray your special blessing and guidance upon this church as there are light on a hill and share the gospel of Jesus with this city and these communities. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amén.